Saint Greta of the Blessed Sailboat, best known for skipping school to complain about the weather, has a new object of ire. The Jews. Specifically, Greta was complaining about the state of Israel and demanding that climate activists stand in solidarity with the Palestinians when a fellow climate activist, bewildered, got on stage and tried to get her to focus. We have not been listening. The people in power have not been listening. I have come here for a climate demonstration, not a political view. No climate justice on occupied land. What could that possibly mean? Even putting aside the ridiculous phrase climate justice, the notion that we owe something to the rocks and the air or whatever, put that aside for a moment. Is Greta saying that we can't recycle until we abolish the state of Israel? That we can't limit carbon emissions until the Palestinians get a nation state? What could that possibly mean? But pro-Palestine activism was not Greta's only digression of the day. She then also took part in an anti-capitalism march, marching through the streets, waving all sorts of weirdo radical flags, Greta marching with them. Some environmentalists, like that guy who tried to take her microphone, are, are bewildered, totally befuddled. They should not be. Some people, like that guy, actually believe that climate justice is not political, when it is, in fact, the most political movement of all on the left. Of course, St. Greta supports all of the other liberal causes. The only reason that she has had so much success focusing on environmentalism is because environmentalism is the fundamental religious premise of all of the other left-wing activism. It's the inversion of man's place in the order of creation. It's the belief that we must serve rather than steward nature. It's the idolatry of the natural world and the worship of creation rather than of the creator. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. We got, an, we got a new squad in town. Move over AOC and Rashida Tlaib. We got Trump, Dana White, Tucker, Don Jr., and Kid Rock rolling into a UFC match. Crowd goes totally wild for them. Not Bill Burr's wife, who actually flips Trump off. We'll get to all of that in a moment. That very important story in a moment. First, though, I don't want to move off of religion too quickly because that is the fundamental background religious principle for the left is the environmentalism. Because environmentalism is not just about saving the Delta smelt or preventing the bald eagles from going extinct. Environmentalism smuggles in all sorts of ridiculous premises and, and first principles about man's place in creation, about what we're here to do, about how we came to be, about what the purpose of life is. So on this battle of religion, on this holy war that we seem to be engaged in right now, uh, we've got some good news, actually, from the religious side, as opposed to the irreligious side. The good news is a survey just came out, which found that progressive priests are going extinct. They're 
among the new priests who are coming up in seminary, who are one day going to lead the church, we hope, there are basically no progressives to be found. Major survey finds that conservative and lowercase o orthodox priests are on the rise. Progressive, simply put, says the report, the, the portion of new priests who see themselves as politically liberal or theologically progressive has been steadily declining since the Second Vatican Council and has now all but vanished. More than half of the priests who were ordained since 2010 see themselves on the conservative side of the scale. No surveyed priests who were ordained after 2020 described themselves as very progressive. 85% of the youngest cohort says they're conservative slash orthodox or very conservative slash orthodox. And only 14% describe themselves as middle of the road, which leaves, what, 1% or something say that they're progressive. And not only is this great news that is worth celebrating, not only is this a glimmer of hope as we have a crisis throughout our political order and no surprise, a crisis within the church, which leads the political order, sometimes reacts to it, but often leads it. Uh, But this also should be unsurprising. They say the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. The persecution of the church is not an aberration. It's it's, uh, not this little weird fact of history that represents something that sometimes goes wrong. It's actually a feature it's not a bug. It's a feature of the system, and it's it's what has allowed the church to spread. Religious life is always difficult, meaning people called to a vocation to be a priest, to be a nun, to be a, a brother, a sister, a monk. It's, it's very difficult. You give a lot up. You abstain from a lot of the pleasures of this world. It's especially difficult today when so many people in society think it's all totally bunk, so they think that there's no point to it, which means that those who are drawn to religious life and who are actually in our extremely hedonistic decadent age who are willing to give up the pleasures of this world probably really believe it. Furthermore, in a world in which the left has taken over basically every single institution, they have pretty much all of the influence in society. If you are a young liberal or leftist who's trying to gain some influence, who wants to leave your mark on the world, There are plenty of other places for you to go beyond the church. The the church's political power has waned significantly in recent decades, which is a bad thing in itself, but it's maybe a good thing in this sense, in that if you want to have an influence on society and you're a leftist, since the 1960s and 70s, you can just go to the university. You're going to be able to shape a lot of minds at the university. You're going to make a lot of money. You're going to get to do whatever weirdo stuff you want to do. So you're going to go there. Maybe you're going to go into government. Maybe you're going to go into corporate America. The libs took over corporate America too. You'll go become a a DEI deputy middle managing dean director of whatever nonsense diversity some Fortune 500 company is going to be pushing. And you get to make some money and you get to do your weird stuff and you don't need to deal with the rigors of religious life. If you're a lib, you would just as soon go into all of those other fields, which means that there has been a process of expurgation and purification going on within the church. And some people who are a little older toward the top end of the church don't really seem to like this very much. Unfortunately, the the church hierarchy is not going to accept this conservative trend without a fight. And I mention this even for the people who are not Catholics, who are not self-identifying as Christians more broadly, who are not religious at all. Christianity is the animating spirit of our civilization. So as goes Christianity, 
so goes the civilization. Even if you're the most hardened atheist, and by the way, one of the most hardened atheists in the world has just converted. We'll get to that perhaps a little bit later today. Uh, But there was some sad news over the weekend, which is that Pope Francis has relieved a very popular, very holy, very good conservative bishop of his duties. That would be Bishop Strickland in Texas, a wonderful bishop, very well-liked, and more importantly than being well-liked, very good at his job and very good at shepherding souls. Uh, It's unfortunate. It's above my pay grade. I don't make these decisions, but it's very, very sad. It's very disappointing. And it just reminds me of this bizarre fact about our culture, even beyond the church, even just in our whole political life, which is that the boomers are so insistent on telling us what the youths want. The boomers who came up during the age of Aquarius, the hippie generation, they're going to remake everything. They're going to start the world from scratch. Everything's going to be new and revolutionary, man. They're so insistent on telling us what the youths want. And yet today, what the youths want is totally contrary to what the boomer hippies want. And they can't grapple with this. You see this in the church. The boomers who promote the the so-called new mass, the kind of 1970s hippy-dippy, you know, sing-along, kumbaya, let's let's listen to feminine ballads that weren't even cool in the 1970s. The youths want the traditional Latin mass. In our political order, the the hippy-dippy people, they want just do what you want, man. Do a bunch of drugs and have sex with anyone and anything that appeals to you. And just, you know, kind of you do you and I'll do me. That's not what the young people want. I, I spend a lot of time with young conservatives. I travel this entire country. I travel the world, in fact, talking to young conservatives. All the young conservatives are much more traditional. They're much more socially conservative. They're much more interested in order and flourishing and beauty and truth and goodness and virtue than... And the boomer, look, I love my boomer friends. I don't mean to be too harsh on the boomers, but as a generation, that generation tends to be far more laissez-faire, do what you want, just don't make it affect me, man, and don't make me pay more taxes for it. It would seem clear to me as a little glimmer of hope that uh, those boomers who just, they, they're so certain they know what the youths want. We know how to attract the youths back to the church, ultimately, back to the conservative movement, back to patriotism. They just, they kind of went wrong as a generation. Gen X, I think, in their laissez-faire, apathetic attitude, they went a little wrong. My millennial generation, boy, oh boy, did the millennials go wrong. We're the Obama generation. But the Zoomers, man, the Zoomers are giving me hope. And you're seeing it at every level of society among the so-called activists in corporate America, in the political order, and even as high as the church. That's good stuff. So there's going to be a lot of friction. There's going to be tension. There's going to be upheaval. And during those periods of uncertainty, you're going to want to check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. Yet again, we are facing the threat of a government shutdown later this month. And yet again, the administration will deal with it the same way they always do, with more spending. More spending will inevitably devalue the dollar. Protect your savings by diversifying into gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. Here's the best part. When you open an IRA with Birch Gold, for every $10,000 you spend by December 22nd, Birch Gold will send you a free gold bar. Just text Knowles, Canada to 989898 to claim eligibility before Black Friday. Birch Gold can even help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without taking any money out of pocket. Are you Listening, you get a free gold bar. Multiple free gold bars, depending on how much money you put in. 
With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers, you can count on Birch Gold to help you transition an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. Do not let your savings fall victim to the further devaluation of the dollar. Text Knowles, Canada VLAS, to 989898. Receive a free info kit on gold. Claim your eligibility before Black Friday to receive free gold bars on your qualifying purchase. That is Knowles. Text it to 989898. Speaking of going down without a fight, or with a fight, I guess, the FBI has seized New York City Mayor Eric Adams's phone and iPad amid a federal corruption investigation. This is very strange because New York City Mayor Eric Adams, he's a Democrat. He's a fairly liberal Democrat, but actually recently, Mayor Adams has, has been saying some things that the liberals don't like. So the allegations here are that Mayor Adams's 2021 campaign colluded with the Turks. Usually we talk about colluding with the Russians or colluding with the Ukrainians, sometimes colluding with the Chinese. This is a new one. Apparently Eric Adams colluded with the Turks. All right, add that to the list. The allegation is that he received illegal campaign donations from the Turkish government. And what are those donations? According to the New York Post, campaign records show that Mayor Adams accepted $6,000 from three donors who served on a board backed by the son of the Turkish president, Erdogan. Seriously? That, hold on, let me, did I get that? It must be $6 million, right? No? 600,000, no, not even 60,000. $6,000 from three donors who are, on a board with the son of the leader of this, hold on, this isn't, this isn't adding up to me until I realized, wait a second, this doesn't have anything to do with campaign donations. The reason that the libs and the liberal enforcement institution, the FBI are going after Adams right now is because he said this. 110,000 migrants. We have to feed, clothe, house, educate the children, wash their laundry sheets, give them everything they need, health care. We're getting no support on this national crisis, and we're receiving no support. And let me tell you something, New Yorkers. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. There it is. Oh boy, there it is. This was my first reaction. When I saw the headline, Eric Adams investigated, I thought, oh, that guy piped up a little too much about immigration, didn't he? Mm, That was his mistake. I don't think it has to do with $6,000 from some people who once went to a Turkish bath on 11th Street or something. I don't think it's because a couple guys ate falafel one day and they gave Eric Adams a high five and now he's under investigation. Nah. This guy spoke up against something that the liberals have to support, which is endless mass migration. And he, he broke the script here. And... He, he broke with the longstanding Democrat tradition of flooding the country with foreign nationals. And in particular, he criticized Joe Biden. He's saying, Joe Biden, your policy is bad. He embarrassed the sitting Democrat president. And then what do you know? 
the highly politicized investigative and law enforcement arm, run ultimately by that president, starts poking around Eric Adams' cell phone and iPad. Looks like someone spoke up a little too much. And then I, I don't want to be a tinfoil hat guy. I really don't want to defend a Democrat mayor of New York, but I got to go where the facts lead me. And in the reporting on this investigation into Adams, it says, following news of the investigation, Adams canceled his plan to discuss illegal immigration and the border crisis with the Biden administration. There we go. I hadn't even read that part before I came to my conclusion, my knee-jerk conclusion. This has got to be about illegal immigration, which it is. So now they start threatening Adams and he says, okay, okay, I'll back off. Okay, we, I, won't, I won't meet with the Biden admin to talk about this problem. Okay, I'll cool it and stop admitting that illegal immigration, stop admitting publicly at least, that illegal immigration will destroy New York City, which we all know, including the liberal Democrat mayor. Now, speaking of cleaning up cities, a miracle happened over the weekend. A miracle, something no one thought possible, very few people thought possible. San Francisco, which in recent years has become a complete garbage heap. San Francisco, which is now riddled with on the streets human excrement and people lying out, dying potentially of exposure, shooting up, dying of overdoses when they're not dying of exposure. Just crime and filth filling the city, people fleeing what was once one of the most beautiful cities in the country. Newsom cleaned it all up. They cleaned up. We have before pictures. We got after pictures in San Francisco. And just look, wow, the camps are gone, the trash is gone, the bums have been shuffled off. It's all, it's all better. How did they do that? Well, it's all gone because Xi Jinping is coming to San Francisco. All it took to clean up one of America's once great cities was for a Chinese communist dictator to come visit. And then the civil authority decides they're going to clean it up. Here, here's how the news is describing it. While San Francisco is in the spotlight for the Asia-Pacific Economic Conference, city leaders are making sure the city shines. Tourism is our business here in San Francisco, and we need to focus on making sure that the tourist dollars still come back. Caltrans repaving major roadways like the Harrison Street off-ramp from the I-80. BART doubling down by deep cleaning their stations overnight more often. The city had gotten a little bit dingy over time. Scrubbing and power washing is happening all over the city. Yeah, the bottom of my shoes look clean. Like. It's noticeable how clear the streets look and how few homeless encampments there are on major thoroughfares. Wow, they fixed it, which they always could have done. They just were, they weren't going to fix it for you. They weren't going to fix it for the residents of San Francisco or of California or for Americans. Forget about just making sure the bottom of your shoes are clean. Don't forget, every day that vagrants are allowed to sit out and shoot up heroin or fentanyl on the streets of San Francisco, more and more Americans are dying. They're being killed, if you ask me. They're being poisoned, and they're being allowed to poison themselves by the civil authority. So it's having a real body count every day that that's allowed to go on. But that's fine when the only people affected are Americans. But when we want to impress a Chinese dictator, mm, well, then we got to clean it up. And it, and it was done quickly. Matter of days, they fixed the whole city. Of course, there are a lot of political problems that we pretend just can't be fixed. <gasps> well, you know, the border crisis, we can't. What can we do about that? There's nothing to be done. Even if we want the walls don't work, the border protection agents, they, it doesn't work. They can't. Yes, they can. Do you remember during the early days of COVID? They locked that down pretty quick if, when they wanted to. And then when they didn't want to, they didn't. 
Do you remember in the, it can be done. When, when the cops have actually cracked down on crime, you see it in New York City when a Republican mayor took over. They fixed New York City, which was one of the most crime-ridden cities in the country. They fixed it almost overnight because Giuliani cared about it. This can always be done when it comes to cleaning up the street, when it comes to criminal justice, when it comes to election integrity. They can lock that stuff down fast. The reason that they're not doing that, the reason that cities which Xi Jinping has not decided to visit are still filthy and full of crime and full of drugs and people are killing themselves is not because of incompetence. That is an intentional policy by the liberal politicians who could fix it in a jiffy. They could fix it in 24 hours. Even Mussolini over there, Governor Patrick Bateman in California, who many have said is feckless, can't get anything done. No, he's he's effective when he wants to be. They just don't want to be. When it's just a bunch of Americans living in filth and squalor and crime and dying, they, they don't need to do their jobs. But the Asia-Pacific conference is Xi Jinping is here. All right, we'll, we'll impress the Chinese communists. That's fine. Not a great look. Now, when you want to look really good, you got to check out GenuCell. Right now, go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles. If you can believe it, Thanksgiving is just two weeks away. Just in time for the holidays, GenuCell is offering their best sale of the year. Right now, you can get 70, 70% off GenuCell's most popular package, which now includes GenuCell 3, their newest under-eye treatment. You know, I got to catch up with my friends at GenuCell last week, and we were talking about the 70% off, and we were kind of asking, hey, how do you, how do, you do that? Are, you, are your prices just kind of really marked up so you have that much margin? And the answer is no. The reason that GenuCell can afford to give you 70% off on their most popular package is because they know that you're going to love the product and that you're going to keep getting products down the line for months and years afterward. That's how good it is. And they're so confident that they're actually willing to take a loss and give you an incredible value to start. And I know that you're going to love it just like everyone in the office loves GenuCell. Go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles to get this incredible holiday discount. 70% off their most popular package. This includes the GenuCell 3 and Dark Spot Corrector. Get results in 12 hours or less. The immediate effects are included for free. GenuCell.com slash Knowles for 70, 70% off today, plus free priority shipping. GenuCell.com slash Knowles today. Despite the lackluster economy, the Daily Wire is thriving, and we are hiring. We are currently looking to add an eager inside sales representative to our ad sales team. This position will be responsible for identifying new accounts and fostering relationships with clients. Knowledge of our brand as well as experience in digital media sales are required. If you match this description, we want to hear from you. The position is based in Nashville, Tennessee. If you're interested in joining our team, visit dailywire.com careers. That is dailywire.com careers today. Speaking of people who want to be president, moving on from Gavin Newsom for a second, the results are in from the presidential debate last week. I'm not talking about who won the debate. I have my thoughts on it. Some people have differed, but really nobody who was on that stage won the debate because very few people watched. Seven and a half million people watched that debate, which was hosted by NBC. This is down from nine and a half million people who watched the Fox News debate on September 27th. But even that nine and a half million people doesn't matter because that is down from the 24 million people who watched the GOP primary debate in 2015. 2015, first GOP primary debate, you get 24 million people. The next GOP primary debate, you get 22.9 million people. So you lose a million and a half people, but it's still a much larger number than you're looking at here. In this case, you lose 2 million people between the previous debate and the most recent debate. 
But the number is nine and a half down to seven and a half, which is telling because it's not just about people cutting the cord. It's not just about people not subscribing to NBC anymore. You could watch this thing on YouTube. You always can. It's that people know the debate is inconsequential. So I, I kept an open mind. I watched it, especially because I was going on Megyn Kelly's show the next day, and I promised her I would watch it to have a take. But frankly, if I had not promised Megan that I would go over the debate with her the next day, I'm not sure I would have watched it. I probably would have watched a few clips. I would have presented them for your enjoyment and entertainment on this show. But I would not have treated the debate as something consequential because it isn't. The polls are not really going to move. Even if you love Ron DeSantis, even if you love Nikki Haley, even if you even if you love Chris Christie, the Chris Hassan's about to happen. We all know that the debate doesn't really matter. Not only do the debates not move the poll numbers, nothing seems to move the poll numbers. The only way the poll numbers have moved since this election season started is a little bit more in the favor of the front runner and a little bit away from the challengers. Trump is now up on all of these challengers, anywhere from 46 to 56 points. That's just the people who are on the stage. So if the candidates want to turn it around, they've got to do it somewhere other than the debate. But I'm not sure where that is. Even in Iowa, now DeSantis is betting his campaign on Iowa, which is a dubious strategy because Iowa generally does not predict the Republican nominee. But even if he's doing that, the poll numbers don't seem to be moving. The the caucus goers who have committed their ballots don't seem to be moving in the direction of anyone other than Trump. Now, Nikki Haley is making moves in New Hampshire. She's making moves in South Carolina. Okay. The, the question for all of these campaigns is, what could they even possibly do at this point to make a difference? And if the answer is nothing, if the answer, at least at the debates, is nothing, why are we still having debates? What's the point of it? Is this primary I'm not saying it's totally over, but is it, for all intents and purposes, most likely over? Even the head of the RNC, Rhonda McDaniel, seems to be saying that. She was just asked on CNN if, let's say that the primary continues as it has been trending since day one of the primary and Trump becomes the nominee. Well, what happens if he gets convicted? The odds of him getting convicted in any of these cases, about 100%. The Democrats are throwing the kitchen sink at this guy. They're they're going after him at the federal level. They're going after him at the state, county level. These, one of these charges has to stick. Probably many of them will stick. So then you're in a position where the Republican nominee for president or the presumptive nominee is convicted of some allegedly serious crime. And then what's going to happen? Is the party going to back him? Here's what the head of the RNC says. If you end up having Donald Trump as your nominee and if he is convicted of a crime, do you believe that he would be the appropriate nominee for the Republican Party? Whoever the voters choose is the appropriate nominee. Even if if he's a convicted criminal? I know this is newsworthy, but as party chair, I'm going to support who the voters choose. And yes, if they choose Donald Trump, the voters are looking at this and they think there is a two-tiered system of justice. They don't believe a lot of the things that are coming out in this, and they're making these decisions, and you're seeing that reflected in the polls. Okay, what she's said here, whatever you think of Ronna McDaniel, is totally right. It's the right thing to do. Of course, the RNC should back the candidate that the Republican voters want to nominate, especially in this case where the confounding factor is this absurd attack on Trump, this political persecution that's based on nothing. If the man had committed a serious crime, if he had seriously done that, then I guess there would be a conversation to be had. 
But the fact that the best thing that they can throw at Donald Trump is that he he ravished a woman in the Bergdorf Goodman dressing room 30 years ago, allegedly, even though there's no evidence that that happened whatsoever, a lot of evidence it didn't happen. If the best they've got on him is that he, as the sitting president of the United States, called up the Georgia Secretary of State and said, hey, I think there was fraud in the election. Can you look into that for me? It's completely absurd. The fact that they're going after him and they're saying that his beautiful oceanfront property, two uh, double oceanfront property, because it spans the entirety of Palm Beach, one of the most beautiful and valuable real estate locations in the United States, that it's worthless and therefore they're going to take his company away from him. It's just so preposterous. And even the Democrats know it. Many of the Democrats, at least. Even the independents certainly know it. In fact, we, we now have another poll that just came out, a signal poll from November, showing that that Donald Trump is leading Joe Biden among independent voters. Right now, among independents, it's not even all that close. Trump 44, Biden 38, 18 undecided. So, you know, it could swing either way, but Trump is leading. Among all voters, Biden is still beating Trump, 47 to 45. But you might say, okay, well, that's evidence that we need to replace Trump with some other Republican. But According to the poll, Joe Biden is doing even better against a generic Republican. So Biden beats Trump by two points head to head. Biden beats a generic Republican by four points. But usually the generic Republican would be doing better because the generic Republican is just a blank slate that you could project whatever you want onto. In this case, however, it's flipped, which means that once you replace generic Republican with any of the other candidates, the numbers are going to get even worse. Whether you hate the guy or love the guy, Donald Trump is just something a little bit different in politics. You saw this when he rolls up to UFC with Tucker Carlson, Don Jr., Kid Rock, and Dana White, and the crowd goes crazy. How strong that team is, making his way into the building. One of the bigger mixed martial arts fans, I know President Donald Trump, (laughs) taking his octagon side seat for UFC 295. We got two title fights coming up at UFC 295 here in a matter of moments, live from Madison Square Garden. And President Trump will be here to witness all of it for of the very There he is. They're going crazy. Imagine Mitt Romney walking into the UFC stadium. <laughs> Whoa, wait, oh, who is that? Mitt Romney. Okay, never mind. Let's go get a beer. You know, it's it's not it's not Trump and Tucker, it's Mitt Romney and Jake Tapper walking into the stadium. And the crowd goes wild. No, of course not. And this is, by the way, this is Trump, what, what are we at now? Eight years after he first declared he was running for president. And then one the following year. And even after all that, the crowd still loves him. But it's not the crowd of the nice Washington, D.C. think tank set, many of whom hate his guts. It's not the crowd that reacts to the Mitt Romneys of the world. It's the UFC fans. With one exception. The comedian Bill Burr was sitting there, and he's sitting there, and he's looking respectful as Trump walks by. They're all sitting, you know, ringside. And Bill Burr's wife flips off Donald Trump right in front of the camera. And everybody is attacking Bill Burr and Bill Burr's wife for this. I think I'm going to lay off him. One, I think Bill Burr is a pretty funny guy. What his, what his wife did is extremely unfortunate and sad. And if it were my, it would never be my wife because sweet little Elisa is a civilized woman. Uh, but, you know, if it were my wife, we'd probably have a little chat when we got home and say, no, you know, honey, it's actually very bad to disrespect the former president of the United States uh, on national television. And you just that's and, and just to behave like that generally as a lady, as really anyone in public, is very vulgar and not good. 
not not a good thing. But I'm not going to attack Bill Burr, and I'm not really going after his wife too hard for this, because I'm sure most people out there, myself excluded, most people out there have been with their spouses in public, and the spouse has done something kind of embarrassing. And it's, I'm sure Bill Burr is mortified by this. And so I don't, Bill, he's a funny guy. He's, I'm not going to, I'm not going to attack him for it. It's very unfortunate, but in, in a way it's kind of a nice silver lining here because more than a silver lining, it's, it's actually affirmatively helpful for the Republicans and for Trump because it shows you the contrast. One, Bill Burr's wife attacking Trump gets people talking about this. And then what are people looking at? How big was that stadium? I'm going to pull a number out of thin air. Let's say it was 20,000 people. That means 19,999 people in that stadium were thrilled to see Trump, the presumptive Republican nominee, Tucker, the biggest cable news host and right-wing cable news host ever in all of history, Kid Rock, very prominent right-wing musician who blew up Bud Light with a machine gun. They all loved him. One person, one very loud person did not like him. I don't know. To me, I like those numbers. Not saying it means Trump's going to win. I'm not saying I would bet any money that Trump is going to win in a general election. We know that the Democrats are very good at rigging things and the people can be fickle too. But in a fair election, when I'm looking at not just one poll, which could be faked, not just two polls, which could be faked, but I'm looking at all the evidence available to me in a fair election, I like the Republican chances. The other question about UFC here is, what's Tucker doing there? What's What's Tucker Carlson doing there at that fight? Is Trump floating Tucker for VP? Some have suggested it. I've floated this idea for years at this point. Seems crazy, right? If I were Tucker, two years ago, I probably wouldn't want this. Why, why, would, he, why would he want it? He's making tens of millions of dollars a year at Fox News. He's got a very prominent perch. He's the most influential conservative on television. Why would he? Well, but then Fox News took that from him. So he's still extremely influential. He's still doing great stuff. But he's got less to lose in terms of money, less to lose in terms of influence. And the base loves him. Who else could run with Trump that the base loves? None of the people currently running for president. None of the ones who are on that debate stage. The, the nearest who could run with Trump would probably be Vivek, but he's, he's probably just too fresh and young to... to be really excited. I don't know. I mean, maybe he could. He's a very talented guy, but it's not going to be Christie. It's not going to be Nikki Haley. It's not going to be Tim Scott. It's not going to be Ron DeSantis at this point. It couldn't be Ron DeSantis because they're both from Florida. So it constitutionally wouldn't even work if they wanted to win the election. So who's it going to be? Could be some of these guys that no one really knows about. Byron Donalds is a Republican congressman. His name has been floated. Could be Carrie Lake, uh, you know, but she lost her race for governor. I just don't Tucker, though, he's really popular, and he represents a, the Trump wing of the party. He represents the Buchanan wing of the party. He represents the conservative wing of the conservative movement in a way that the other candidates simply don't. I don't know. Look, maybe Trump was just out there going to take in a nice fight with his buddy Tucker, or maybe this was a little weather balloon. Maybe they were just floating something. I don't know. What do you think of the thing that they might have been floating? Hmm? What do you think about that? You know, when you go into the UFC ring and you just get your lights knocked out, that's sometimes not very healthy for you if you're the one actually fighting and getting concussed. But you know what is really healthy? If you're a dog and you eat Rough Greens. Right now, go to roughgreens.com slash Michael. The holidays are coming up fast. 
And while you're out shopping for your kids, your family, your friends, don't forget to shop for your pets, too. Give your dog the gift of a healthier and happier life with Rough Greens. Naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, the founder of Rough Greens, is focused on improving the health of every dog in America. Dog food might as well be considered dead food, if you ask me, because it contains very little nutritional value. Is nutrition brown? No. One might say it's green, which is why you got to let Rough Greens bring your dog's food back to life. Rough Greens is a supplement that contains all the necessary vitamins, minerals, probiotics, omega oils, digestive enzymes, and antioxidants that your dog needs. You don't have to go out and buy new dog food. Just sprinkle those tasty, juicy little rough greens on their food every day. Dog owners are raving about it. I even send it to my stepbrother for his little miniature Australian Shepherd. So right now, you can get a free Jumpstart trial bag so that your dog can try it. You get a free F-R-E-E, baby, Jumpstart trial bag delivered straight to your door in just a few business days. Go to roughgreens.com slash Michael or call 844-ROUGH-123. That is R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, or call 844-R-U-F-F-123 today. My favorite comment on Friday is from Matt Ray, 4876, who says, the fact that the witch refers to women as womb bodies is next level insanity. The fact that that statement can be uttered with a straight face and convey meaning to me and to the audience is perhaps even nexter leveler insanity. Wouldn't you say? There are witches. There have been witches for all of human history. Virtually everyone for all of human history everywhere has believed that there are witches. Until modern people for the last like 50 or so years, modern liberal atheists say that there are not witches. But everyone else, including the witches themselves, say, no, there are witches. Some, they'll say, no, we are witches. We do these things. And she doesn't refer to women. She refers to womb bodies. And what's really crazy is not that some wacko, like devil-worshipping witch would use weird language and dehumanizing language to refer to human beings. What's crazier is that HR probably uses similar language. What's crazy is that the diversity counselor at your public university, your very prominent elite university, probably uses the same language. The, The witchiness has spread beyond the covens. Now, speaking of expanding the base, there's another poll. This is the day of polls. This is a poll from CNN. Shows Trump leading Biden not only among independents, but among men of color, 49 to 46. So it doesn't say that Trump is leading Biden among all black people or all persons of color, but specifically among men of color, Trump's leading 49, 46. Some people are skeptical because this is a big difference from how the elections have turned out in the past. But what the polling shows is that 42% of black men are eligible voters. 12% of eligible black men voted for Trump in 2020. 87% of black men voted for Joe Biden in 2020. Now, those numbers seem to have evened out, in fact, in Trump's favor. Look at Hispanics. 58% of Hispanic men are eligible voters. 40% of Hispanic men voted for Trump in 2020. 57% of Hispanic men voted for Biden. So, I've seen these numbers before that black men and Hispanic men are now breaking for Trump in a head-to-head. I don't know if I, I was very skeptical of it the first time I saw the poll. I was very skeptical the second time I saw the poll. But I'm, I'm seeing this recur again and again. And so I, I remain skeptical. The only poll that really matters is at the ballot box. But also there are 
uh, cities with machines that can skew results. I'm thinking of Pittsburgh. I'm thinking of Milwaukee. But is it possible? I'm not saying the, the women of color. I'm not saying the women vote Democrat generally. But have the men of color, as a swarthy man myself, have the men of color begun to wake up? Perhaps. Think of, think of the misery index right now. Think of the approval rating that Biden is looking at. Think of the fact that our country is being humiliated and the stakes are getting real. It's no longer just a, a willy-nilly question of preferences. We're now on the brink of World War III. Is it, it's, oh, look, I think it's possible. Now, speaking of support for Trump, uh, he just picked up an endorsement from his old employee, Sarah Sanders, who's now the governor of Arkansas. The truth is, it's not even a question anymore between right and left. It is normal versus crazy, and the left is doubling down on crazy. We've got out-of-control inflation, violent crime, an open border, a rising China. Biden and the left have failed over and over again, and they know it, and you know it, and it is time for a change. That is why tonight I am so proud to endorse my former boss, my friend, and everybody's favorite president, Donald J. Trump. All right, there we go. Probably only a matter of time. Sarah had initially said she was going to hold out of the race, at least for a little bit. And then she comes out and endorses him. Probably the, the endorsement from Sarah was to counter the endorsement for DeSantis of Kim Reynolds, who's the governor of Iowa. Uh, I love, I don't know Kim Reynolds. I love Sarah Sanders. Love her dad, Mike Huckabee. I don't think these politician endorsements matter at all. I think the point of the politician endorsements is to sway public opinion. And that's often how it works. I think in this race, the politician endorsements are following public opinion. I think that's why the politicians have stayed on the sidelines, including even politicians who worked for Trump in a very public way. And then as the election is coming down to the wire, the politicians are following. I don't, I don't think it really matters. I think that people are looking at where the polls are moving. They're looking at crowd sizes. They're looking at UFC. Things like UFC. And they're seeing, oh, okay, this is what's happening. Well, let's, let's shake it out. E- even, even Ronna McDaniel, who's the head of the RNC, She's got to grit her teeth and say, yeah, we'll support the the nominee even if he's a convicted felon. Part of the reason for that is Ronna McDaniel only has her job because Trump tolerates her. There's a huge call among Republicans to get rid of Ronna McDaniel, but she hasn't fallen afoul of Trump yet. I have a little sympathy for her in that I'm not convinced the leader of the RNC actually does all that much. We blame the leader of the RNC for elections being won or lost. I think they actually have a relatively small degree of influence in all of it. It's easy enough to blame the person, but Rana, she also knows where her bread is buttered. I think a lot of Republicans are going to figure that out too. And so it, it won't, it won't be a matter of these visionary political governors and leaders and influencers saying, no, this is the direction our party must take. It looks like the result of this, barring some extraordinary event, was baked in from the beginning. And the people, as has been the case for seven, eight years now, the people have begun to lead the party against the will of the party elites. And the smart party elites go along with it, lest they get run over. Now, speaking of prominent women, a two-time Olympic gold medalist, Carly Lloyd, 
she's a soccer player. She has just made a shocking declaration. She has declared that men are better at soccer than women. She has, this, this woman has just declared that men are better at sports than women. Can you imagine? Because someone responded to her and said, hey, is it true that you guys lost to a bunch of 15-year-old boys? You sometimes hear this, that the women's soccer team, the professional women's soccer team, lost to a group of 15-year-old boys. And she, she responds and goes, yeah, that's true. I know thousands of people have already brought that up. The boys were good. We actually lost to a youth Bayern Munich team in my career as well. But then we went on to win the Olympics and the World Cup. So, yeah, we, we lost to boys because we're girls. But then we beat other girls because we're relatively better at soccer than other girls. She goes, haha, they should beat us. They should. The boys should beat us. They're bigger, stronger, and faster. Boys always gave us a run for our money, and that was great prep. What a great attitude. This woman almost could get me to like soccer. Because that's the right answer. Yes, the boys beat us. This is not a mark of shame. This is not something we need to hide. The boys beat us. They're boys. Vive la France. This is, yes, that's good that boys beat us. And we can actually work with the boys. They can help us train to beat the girls because we acknowledge reality. We know that they are better at this than us. That's good. That's, that's the right attitude to sexual difference. And you see the feminists, men and women, are totally wrong on this, where they pretend men and women are exactly the same. And it ends up creating Me Too and rape culture and all the terrible pathologies that infect the relation between the sexes today. But you even see this among the red pill kind of movement, which they bring up a lot of legitimate gripes. So I don't want to knock the red pill guys too much, but their conclusions often are very wrong. And they discuss the difference between men and women with anger. You know, these, these women are so different than we are, <laughs> or, or these, these men are, are barbarians or whatever. You know, they even try to behave like barbarians sometimes. But the difference between the sexes is something to be celebrated. It's lovely. It's delightful. I like that if the sexes were exactly the same, that would make us all gay guys. And then, and that would be, which I guess there are a lot of gay guys today. We have a very confused sexual culture today. But the fact that men and women are different, you say, oh, good, women. They're so different. I can't even, I can't understand them. They're, they're so strange. They don't, they drive me crazy in many ways. But isn't that fun? One of the joys of life. Now, speaking of prominent women, there's, Great story that I'm going to tease. Ayan Hirsi Ali, who was raised Muslim, who has been the object of a lot of radical Muslim ire. She became an atheist. She was one of the most prominent atheists in the world for the past 15 or so years. She is an atheist no longer. She's not a Muslim either. We'll get to what Ayan Hirsi Ali is maybe tomorrow. The rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-A-S at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. 